but it, it is uh, it, it can be difficult. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we uh, Brother Roper put the title of his book, A Document Designed to Disturb. This is a, a, a difficult subject to have to go through and investigate your own life and to decide just how much of a priority you put on the right things and how much of a priority do you put on the wrong things or at least on the, the things that we ne shouldn't necessarily focus on too much. But uh, that said, one of the reasons that, uh, that I have, uh, by design, had a class that has been very kind of uh, lecture focused, you might say, uh, just uh, me up here talking, is because uh, it is often difficult for, uh, for people to, they, they worry too much about offending, I say too much, it's not a bad thing to worry about that, but whenever we're talking about things like this, it, people a lot of times don't want to be too expressive in their thoughts, they don't want to talk about things too much, uh, in too much detail, because they're afraid they might step on someone's toes, or, you know, worse, you have to step on your own toes, and so they, uh, a lot of times we, we just don't want to say anything in class, and so that's part of the reason why I've been a lot more, um, as just kind of lecture style, just because, uh, um, because of I'm the teacher, I, I don't I'm not I don't have the ability to have that. Um, uh, I, I can't do that. I have to give the opinion. So we're because um, we we're, here, we're definitely here to speak truth uh, whenever it comes to scripture. So, uh, but that said, we are going to start out class today with a series of discussion questions, uh, three questions that I'd like your opinions on because of the topic we're looking at today. Where today we're looking at riches. Fame and power, and uh, and what those mean. And as we go through this, we uh, like we have with everything else. It's important to remember that we're looking at the details. We're looking at uh, how we can be, how these things can encroach and and creep into our lives. Because, like so many other things that we have looked at, so many other activities, we like a broad stroke over these. Uh, and we like to kind of brush over them. You know, you think about how often or how many times have you looked at maybe a, uh, you know, you looked in the bulletin on, and you saw that the, the lesson that's coming up on Sunday is going to be about uh, gaining riches. And you're like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with, you know, money being something that is just, the problem though is that whenever you don't dig into the details too much, uh, you, you miss the point. And that's exactly what Ecclesiastes tries to do. And so, uh, so we're going to look at this. I want to get just a, very briefly um, some of your, your thoughts on these. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three questions and uh, just kind of let you think about where I'm going with these questions. Then I'll come back to you and actually ask the questions uh, after that. And uh, so you can uh, kind of, like I said, I want to kind of get your opinion and get your thoughts going in a, in a, in a certain direction. So uh, first of all, are riches, fame, and power always connected or... Are they always mutually exclusive? Second one is, is it possible for this to change? Is it possible for, you know, the, you know right now they're always connected, but then, you know, down the road, different society, different time place in history, they change and they, they become very mutually exclusive. And then the last question is that based on, you know, what we think on number two is where do we sit today? What does our society look like today in this are these always connected, or are they always mutually exclusive? So, um, again, I'm going to go back and I'll, I'll read the question again, and I'll kind of give you a little more of what exactly I'm asking. So, the first one, again, is if your riches, fame, and power always connected, 
uh, to each other, or are they always mutually exclusive? What I mean is, if you have or you're searching for riches, are you, does fame and power always go with that? That if you're looking for one, you pretty much are looking for all three. Or is it possible to look for one and not be looking for the other two? Like you might have power riches and you might, fame might go along with that, but they're, they're mutually exclusive. Like you can look for one and not have the other two. What are your thoughts? Say mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive, okay. Loosely connected. Loosely connected. America, it's all about fame. We're not getting into what America is culture right now. That's that's third question. I just want to know what the what your thoughts are. Are these are they always connected? Are they always loop loop together group to loop group together, or are they always one two three? I think one kind of having one kind of against the other ones. Okay. So they are connected. Yeah. Okay. Else have a, a thought on that? It's not that easy a question. The more, because I, as I asked it, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Everybody's going to be like, well, this. But the more I kept digging through it, the more I started thinking, it's like, this, this question could really go a lot of different directions. So, okay, so based on, go ahead. Well, nothing's always. Nothing is always. Always exclusive. Always, no. You can, there's all kinds of variations. <coughs> Besides the extremes. I want to play your game. Say it again? You don't want to play your game. You play. <laughs> <laughs> play my game, Ricky. Um, okay. So, based on the second question, is it possible, and I think we've kind of already answered that. I think most of you have that to an extent, but is it possible for it to change? Does it change based on time period in history, based on where you are, based on culture, based on, I mean, does it change? Does it... One culture over here, they're always together, but then you go over here and they, they seem to be, they can be, you know, exclusive with each other. What do you guys think? Are they, can they change? Or are they? I think they're always exclusive. Always exclusive? I think fame is the one that's most variable. If you look at throughout history, media, you know, the internet and things like that made it to where a lot of people can become famous without having wealth or without having power. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so much of social power is based on the fame of uh, acting or sports or these kinds of things in American popular culture. So they're connected. And America, for sure. they certainly are. Okay, so let's take that into the next question. Is, and go ahead. You might work to get riches thinking that's what you want and not really want to do any fame or, or power, but... It, it kind of ends up going that way a lot okay. of times when you don't intend it. Okay. I think. So, today's culture, Western culture, let's say that. I hate saying American culture. Um, it's very arrogant. Um, but I, I, Western culture, is that where do we sit today? Because we seem to be, we, I, I think everybody's, there's a lot of, People that say that they're, you know, they seem to all be together, but there's also a, you know, they do seem to be a, you know, exclusive. If they're, they can be exclusive, but you can still have all three. Right, yeah, you I can mean, absolutely you can have all three. Okay. So, I mean, let's, you, you can gain your riches and not fame and not power, and you can have power and not necessarily have riches and fame, so. 
Okay. It depends on what level you ask for riches. I mean, do I want 50 bucks to go buy myself, you know, <coughs> super big golf, or do I want, you know, $50 million to go conquer? So it's, it, it kind of depends on what level you're at and what you're doing. I mean, if you're talking, if you look at the Forbes 500, I guarantee you, we don't probably know more than, unless you really are in that world, you probably know less than 10% of those people. So they're not famous to me. <laughs> Very true. Uh, two questions on that. One, where are you getting a $50 big gold? <laughs> Second question is, what are you conquering for $50 million? So, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, before we move forward, there's a couple of things that I want to clarify, and I, I appreciate your answer on that. And I, the whole premise of that is to, to kind of get your mind moving in a certain direction. Uh, as we, we as we look for this, look through these these things. So, uh, as we before we get going, though, there's a couple of things I want to, to talk about. There's a phrase that I haven't really used yet, but I think it works very well with this class, and it's literally the, the devil is in the details. So much of what we like to do, part of my reason for talking about the the you know, have you read, you read a bulletin and you're like, oh, we're talking about you know gaining riches, and I you know I don't I just don't have that issue. So many of what things that we talk about. It's easy to brush over the big projects. It's easier to brush over the big concepts and be like, well, I just don't have that problem. But as we've already looked at in other activities that we've discussed the last couple of weeks, whenever you start digging into the details of those things, sometimes the priorities of these tend to go higher on your list. You just, you're like, well, I don't really care about riches, but I do have a high priority on a detail of that, something that would fall into the same category but not necessarily a, you know, I'm searching to be the wealthiest person on the, in the, on the planet or something. But, uh, and so it's important that we, we remember that. Did this go off? There we go. It's blinking. I'm guessing I need batteries. There might be batteries behind that curtain up there. <laughs> <laughs> number one. <laughs> Cost you some money. There are no batteries behind the curtain. Did I check the other curtain? So, I will keep going until I have to start yelling. So, <laughs> uh, but again, and it's also important when we look at the details that the uh, that sometimes, and many of you have already explained that the that whenever you start connecting these together is whenever the issues can, can become a problem. Looking for knowledge in something is certainly not a problem. I will just yell for a little while. Um, uh, so looking for knowledge is certainly not a problem, but whenever looking for knowledge in your job or looking for knowledge in order to gain that promotion or to gain that extra piece of that raise or something, um, that can start to creep into things that priorities become an issue. And, and so we have to be careful with that. Also, it's important that we don't get wrapped up in definitions. Some of you go were, some of your examples and some of your thoughts before we're very much looking at these, the broad example idea, the broad definition idea, and we have to be careful with that because riches can mean a lot of things. Is money a part of that? Absolutely. But one of the points we're going to make a little bit later is that it's very arguable to say that Solomon was the wealthiest person the human planet has ever seen. Now, you may be like, well, but look at people today. Look how much money they have. If you were to take $50 billion back to Solomon, he would not care. That is paper. It means nothing to him. And it, so there's, it, wealth and riches mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. 
famous, being famous is also one that is a, is a very large spectrum. You could be internationally famous, you could be worldwide famous, lots of people know who you are. Or if you are from, if you've ever lived in or from a small town, you know that being famous inside your town or your county or something like that can be equally as powerful, equally as, uh, as you know, very difficult to, uh, uh, to get away from if you are, uh, if you're inside that little town. You may not be internationally famous, but inside your little town, everybody knows who you are. Well, that's a fame also, and you, that can easily be a trapping situation. Power is probably one of the biggest pieces on the spectrum. Thank you. Uh, one of the biggest pieces on the spectrum in the fact that it's, uh, power can be something as you know, world-changing military power to I really just want to be the head of my HOA and, and everything in between. And so sometimes we, uh, yeah, everybody's like, why would I want to be the head of my HOA? But, uh, but the point is, though, is that it is sometimes, and this is the whole brushover idea, we like to say, it's like, well, I, I don't care about riches. But sometimes riches are a very, very different concept than the brush over idea. And that's what Ecclesiastes is all about. It's about looking at the details of where our life sits. And this is what makes it kind of difficult. It makes it, you know, stepping on toes because uh, we don't like to think that those details are, are something that we are a part of. So we're going to be looking at what Ecclesiastes, what Solomon or the author um, actually presents. So we're going to spend most of our time in chapter five. So if you want to, um, if you want to follow that, any luck? No. Okay. Can everybody hear me? Okay. I, Does anybody know how to do this? I don't know. I, I can probably figure it out, but I'm kind of done in this. So, um, uh -oh. engineers, here we go. So, um, there we go. Oh, you found the right button. Um, this this room actually works well for for speaking and and I, I I'm used to talking over thirteen year olds so I can uh, I can project pretty well. It's just a thought, but if you wanted to just move here in the middle, that way you wouldn't have to strain your voice. Oh, it's, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, but let's look at what Solomon says, what the writer of Ecclesiastes says uh, when we're we're going through this, and and we're like I so said, we're spending most of our time in chapter five. Uh, but we will bounce around. I mean, he starts out the book, chapter 1 and verse 1. He starts out that with uh, identifying himself as the son of David, king of Jerusalem. That's fame and that's power. And you think about it, that is something that even, that falls into today. I mean, if someone says that the son of King David, the king of Jerusalem, that means something even today, thousands of years later. So that is a, that's a fame and a power that is, uh, that is, is very, very big. He, uh, he talks about, in uh, chapter 2, he talks about his wealth and all of the things that he had. We talked about that. I'll talk so loud, I'll talk so loud now. Okay. <laughs> okay. We talked about that uh, the last couple of weeks with uh, the amount of wealth that he had and the things that he, had, he, was, uh, he was given, he acquired during this. And I also find it interesting that we talked about the things that he had when we're looking at pleasure, too. So there's another question for you. Are wealth and pleasure always connected? Hey, are they always connected? Or are they connected at all? I mean, that seemed to be a connection here. Again, another interesting question to look at. But, um, you know, he goes on to describe 
that uh, his fame in chapter in verse nine in chapter two, so I became great and surpassed all that had been before me. You know, there's there's no question that he was rich. There's no question that uh, he was richer beyond anybody up to that point. And looking at scripture, it seems to say that he would be more wealthy and have more power and fame and honor than anybody after him also. And, and it's, I mean, if you want to see true wealth, don't look at, you know, the one percenters today. Just go to scripture. Just look at Solomon. That's where true wealth was. That was true, truly what we're looking at. So, I mean, the question is, did, did he deserve that title? Well, scripture says that God said, since you chose wisely, you chose wisdom, I'm going to grant you, I'm going to bless you riches and power and honor. And, and that's, so we know that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what he did. Uh, it also, I find it interesting that uh, Coy, Brother Roper, in his book, also said this. Just It kind of goes back to our connections. Uh, that Whenever we're talking about his wealth, um, he says, um, lost it, uh, we would also expect him to be both powerful and famous as well. All right, so by having the wealth that he had, obviously power and wealth went along with that. And so... Uh, it's, you know, if, if you, uh, First Kings, we know uh, that he was a, uh, he basically ruled an empire, uh, ruling from, he describes there the, the borders that he had. It physically, geographically, it may not be what we think about a big empire today, but at the time period, that was the vast majority of the known world, heavily populated area for the time. And so this would have been a, I mean, he was in charge of it all. They even gave him tribute and that's interesting to think that Egypt was paying Solomon tribute. Right? That would be the equivalent at the time, that would be the equivalent of Rome paying someone tribute. Right? We think, well, that could never happen. It would have if Rome was existence when Solomon was there. Right? That's that's where we sit. That's who he was. So his resume definitely stands up, and we can look at we could go back and look at the Queen of Sheba and the, the stuff that she said. Uh, obviously, that is uh, just another example of the power and the fame that he had. He was obviously very, very high on the list with that. He understood fame. He understood power. And he understood riches very, very well. And so that's why it's very good that we can look at Ecclesiastes and understand this. Um, you know, we've already discussed a lot of the activities that we've, we've, you know, up to this point. We've talked about labor. We've talked about knowledge of wisdom. We've talked about pleasure and entertainment. And these are these three um, points: is riches, fame, and, and power are ones that often seems to be the ones we look at whenever people are looking for meaning. You know, we a lot of it's, it's hard for us to think it's like, well, you know, it was a job, my job. I don't really search for meaning in my job, but whenever we do search for meaning in things, we often uh, we often look at you know riches, fame, and power. And, and so, because if you think about it, and we already talked about this in our society today, if you were to ask someone, especially ask, you know, younger generations, whatever you're, you know, at the end of your life, if you retired, and you look back, how are you going to define whether you were successful or not? Well, what do they say? Money. I've got fame. I have power. I have control. I have structure. These are what we consider to be success. As we talked about last week, Money equals success, and that is, by today's definition, the American dream. And so that's where a lot of people look to for what is, gives us meaning in life, where, where it is that we, uh, we look for whenever we're going to try to find that meaning. 
Right? Today, we like to say, well, it's like we find meaning in likes. You know, the more likes I have, then the more meaning I can have uh, in that. And this is, it, it's, it gets scary whenever you look at Ecclesiastes and look at the stuff that it's talking about, and then you equate that with, like, social media and things like that. It gets scary to look at that as to how, how much and how dark that idea can get. So we're going to be looking at two passages primarily. Uh, one of them is, I already said, chapter 5 which we'll spend the majority of our time. We'll also bounce back in chapter 4 a little bit uh, whenever we, uh, we do this. So we're going to dig into the details. So we're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 10. If you'd like to, to be there, you can follow along. And uh, we're going to kind of go through this a little bit verse by verse and look at what Ecclesiastes actually says about these different points. This is going to focus primarily on riches, but you can definitely uh, pull uh, fame and power into this. So, uh, in verse 10, he says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. You know, the phrase, uh, uh, Corey talks about in his book, and, and uh, that I think is a good phrase that goes along with this, is just a little more. Just a little more. I can always use just a little bit more money. Just a little bit more money. I, one of the examples he said, you know, the farmer who has 10,000 acres ever asked, do you have enough land? Yeah, I have enough land. I could use the guys next to me, though. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more would always be... Just, you just make things a little bit easier, just a little bit better. And this can quickly turn into greed. It can quickly turn into a, 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 an issue, a problem. You know, the, the lesson here is not so much the how much you have, but what's your attitude in regarding, like, what, it's not how much you have, it's your attitude regarding what you have. Okay, that's, the, that's really the lesson here. Um, I found a, uh, when I was studying for this, I found a line. And Jack, I think this would be a really, really good lesson series, just saying. But um, this is the line that I found. There's a little more to it, but this is why. If you love what you have, you will naturally want more of it. Okay? If you love what you have, you will naturally want more of it. Obviously, Solomon understood this concept very well. But it goes on to say this. Isn't that also an interesting look at the love we have for God? If you love what you have, you'll want more of it. And isn't that an interesting look at the love we have for God, or should have forgotten? It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing. I think it'd be a really good lesson series. Just saying, Jack, you know, throw that out there. Um, in, in my opinion, this is probably one of the biggest issues that we deal with in our society today. Is the idea of this is where my focus is, this is where my love is, and I want more of it. Um, we, we, yes, please. The scripture where your heart is, there so will your treasure be. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Whatever it is that you want more of or love, that's where you're going to go. Absolutely. It's, it's always interesting. Um, it's interesting how Scripture can always put things in the right place, isn't it? It does. Um, you know, and, and I don't have time to go through this in detail, but uh, I, I got curious. Uh, last week I talked a little bit about video games kind of thing, and so and I, was, I was curious as to what the, the highest you know, the most popular, highest grossing, you know, the most played video games, and they do keep statistics on that kind of stuff from the platforms that use them. And of the top five video games, four of the top five were games that had a premise or had a purpose of, there's no ending, there's no storyline, there's no princess at the end of it, there's no, you know, bad guy to beat at the end of the game. It's all about collecting stuff. The top five games. The number one game is a game called Rust. You're, I don't know, maybe probably never heard of it, but it is one of the most famous games 
in the world right now, and it is the whole premise. There's absolutely no ending to the game. The game does not end. It's not supposed to be end. There's, and it's entirely people against people. Okay? And the whole premise is to gain stuff. It's not even money. It's just stuff. It's things. And then you build it, you use those things to build a base that you so you can protect your things. And then you get more stuff, so you can build a bigger base, base to protect more things. And then if you want more things, you go out and you find other people and you kill them with your guns and weapons and take their stuff and build your base bigger to have more stuff. And then every week or two, every month or so, they wipe the whole thing, everybody starts over, and they do it all. <laughs> That's the number one most popular game on the planet right now. Okay? That is a pretty good, I've always been a big believer that you can learn a lot by looking at a culture's music, its art, its writings. A lot of people like to think that it's like, well, music influences, uh, it's the other way around. Okay? Society influences music. If you want to know what people were really thinking in the 1960s, right? Some of you were like, I was in the 1960s, I know what we were thinking. If you really want to know what somebody was thinking in the 19, let's say 1920s, okay, go back and listen to music. Okay, that's then, and video games are really no different in that. You know, and uh, go moving on. Verse 11 says, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. If you acquire riches, if you acquire fortune, and again, that definition doesn't need to be just money, lots of stuff. It can be a lot of things. But when you acquire things, people will show up to take them. Right? Often we hear a lot, you know, somebody wins the lottery, they win, they gain a lot of money, or they get an inheritance, or they gain something that a lot of people want. And friends and family and people you don't even know kind of come out of the woodworks because they want to be a part of that. And they want to see that and, and uh, you know, be a part of that idea. And look at fame and power also. They go hand in hand. You know, we, uh, we talk a lot about living through someone vicariously. Someone has a lot of power. You'd like to be close to them. You don't have that power, but if you're close to them, you can get a little taste of that. A little taste of that, that idea. Okay, that's that's the, the central idea. This started, uh, at least in media, it started probably with the advent of some of the uh, reality TV, which I always thought was very ironic. Um, you know, the original reality TVs were take 20 people, put them in a house, lock them up for three months, and then shake the jar and see what they like. That was basically the idea. That was supposed to be reality. But that's what people wanted. They, wanted, they didn't want to watch themselves on TV, which were more like sitcoms. They wanted to watch other people do things that were more realistic, but realistic out there. It was the idea, and you wanted to live through them. You want to have that fame that you could be a part of. At least that's what you thought. That's how it was sold. In verse 12 and 13, it says, Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a, righteous, a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. Those who do not focus on wealth and power and fame or on any level tend to have a much less anxious and a much easier sleep, as it says. Right, they just don't have those, they, they, they tend to be able to sleep more peacefully or have a more peaceful mind. And it talks about the, the rich staying up all night, not being able to sleep because he just has so many issues and so many problems. Uh, and you think about it, and Jesus says in Luke 12, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. You know, and, and those who have wealth often hoard the wealth. They want more. They have it, I can't lose it, and so now I've got to make more of it so that I can replace what I might spend 
We always want to have more of that. And while it's not a bad thing to watch over your possessions, to watch over to make sure that things aren't you know going badly, you don't lose it. That's not a bad thing. But whenever it becomes an, a, an obsession, when it becomes something that you just can't stop doing, I have to keep what I have. That's a problem. Uh, one of my favorite cartoons growing up, uh, 80s, I guess, somewhere in there, was DuckTales. You guys know DuckTales? Uh, some, people, some people do. Yeah, yeah I know DuckTales. Um, DuckTales, the whole premise, it was based on uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, which was, uh, what was that? was that? Donald Duck's nephews. And then uh, Scrooge, which was based on Christmas Carol concept, but it was, he, you know, he was the richest man in the world. Had a huge vault. Had all his money in it. He swam in it. Had so much money he could swim in it. I'm pretty sure every single episode had one premise. Protect his wealth. There was a whole premise. Every episode was the exact same thing. Somebody was trying to take something. And he would fight even for a dime. And he fight everything. And that was the whole idea. And it was very popular. I liked it. I didn't know what I was watching at the time, I guess. Now they do. I'll never be able to watch DuckTales again <laughs> the same way. But also, if you have that power and that fame, maybe not wealth, but it's power and fame, what are you willing to do to keep it? We talk a lot about people selling their souls to be able to keep that. I think that's really big in our society today. We talk about the, the big thing right now, or one of the big things that comes across, they call it cancel culture. What are people willing to do to not get canceled so they don't lose their fame, so they don't lose their power? What are they willing to do for that? Uh, verse 14 says, uh, Those riches were lost in bad venture, and he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in hand. You can lose everything quickly, very, very quickly. Uh, the term, uh, the word here that says bad venture is actually translated evil task. So you can, or literally translated evil task, uh, you can lose it in bad investment and gambling and you get fired from your job, You, uh, your, everything is destroyed. The whole premise of insurance, the whole premise of insurance is to make sure that you don't ever have to worry about losing things. That's the whole premise, at least for, you know, home and car and things like that. That's the whole idea uh, very quickly, I'll give you a little, quick little story. Um, so somebody tell me what, other than the recent news, what is the, what made the Titanic sinking so famous? I mean, ships sink all the time. They, they sank all the time. Not what made the Titanic so famous? They touted that they could never be sunk. It was, un, it was unsinkable. It was one. All the rich people that were on board when it happened. Okay. No. There's <laughs> one that sits above all of that. It was four days old. Okay, there was this maiden voyage. That was the absolute first voyage that ever went on. It had been at sea for four days. Okay, you lose things quickly. Let me give you another one. How many of you ever heard of the Vasa? Okay, it's Swedish. Pretty sure I'm not pronouncing that right. Okay, the Vasa. 1620s, the king of Vasa had contracted a, a new warship, going to be the, the crown of the Swedish Navy. The Swedish Navy in the 1600s was one of the most powerful in the world, and this was going to be the crown jewel of this. It was, uh, the, the keel was laid down in 1626, it was launched in 1627, it was fitted, and in August 10th, 1628, the Vasa was uh, ready to go. They, they anchor towed it out to, uh, out of uh, Stockholm port, and, and got into it, they dropped four sails, and began its, uh, its maiden voyage to go join the fleet in front of crowds of thousands of people, had all of its gun decks open, and all of its, you know, streamers, and all these things, everybody's celebrating, this was going to be the big... The big thing, uh, as it's making its way out uh, from ports, a relatively moderate wind hit it from the port side or the starboard side, the right side. It kind of laid over and turned a little bit, but it was okay. It righted itself, went on. 
another uh, a little bit farther. Got hit with another wind. This time it rolled over a little bit farther and it turned really sharply to the left or to port. And when it did, the lower gun decks, which were open, went below the water line. The water came pouring in. That was not unusual in ships back then. That would be terrifying to me, just so you know. But that would be, but that was not unusual back then. But this one, because of its bad mid-deck design, it did not right itself quickly enough. The water kept pouring in, kept pouring in, and it sunk in a matter of minutes. The Vasa was 105 feet deep is where it sunk. The mass was still sticking out of the water uh, because it was so shallow. It was only 390 feet from the shoreline and had it sailed a whopping 1,400 yards. Sank. Gone. If you'd like to see the Vasa, I'd love to see this. It is the it is in Stockholm. It's 1960s. They raised it. It is the mecca for uh, going to see uh, the age of sail ships because it's it's pretty much an entirely completely intact warship uh, that was preserved uh, that you you can see even though it has a very bad design. <laughs> but um, uh, and interestingly enough, they did a year long investigation and never found anyone at fault except for the designer. And why they designer? Because he was already dead. <laughs> so they blame him. But uh, anyways, the point is you can lose everything fast, very, very fast. And if you put all your stuff in, in this focus, you can lose everything. The Bible attests to that. James says, yet do, yet do not know what tomorrow will bring. Think about what, uh, what Jesus talks about when the rich man builds bigger barns in order so he can secure his future. What does God say to him? Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared. Whose will they be? You know, the biggest tragedy of this is the very end of that line, the very end of this verse, where it talks about his son. This guy had, he was a wealthy man who lost everything. Now he can't even support his family. Can't even support anything because he put so much focus on there, and he lost everything, and he didn't know what to do. Uh, going to very quickly into chapter 4, uh, Solomon does talk specifically about fame and power here. Chapter 4 and verse 13, I'll read this to you. It says, Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king, who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from the prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move out under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end to all the people, all of whom he led, yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and striving after wind. You know, Psalm is making an illustration here uh, to the writers, making an illustration here to talk about people who are overconfident due to self-sufficiency. They think they don't need anything else. The old and foolish king thought that he didn't need advice from anybody. He didn't need to listen to anyone. We talked about this in the first class, that one of the big downfalls of American culture in particular, in my opinion, is that the young typically don't look to the old, and the old don't look at the young and say, we can help you, or maybe we can learn from you too. We, we tend to generational. I mean, look at the massive arguments going on between millennials and boomers. I mean, it's a, it's a constant fight between the two. Because neither side thinks the other one's right, and they should be looking at each other for wisdom and for new ideas, right, from those in the Gen X who sit in the middle of that. We're just sitting back going, okay. Because <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting that we're completely not in the equation, um, which is interesting. But, you know, the, uh, the young man here is, is, seems to be the wiser of the two, and the greater principle is that you, you can always learn from other people. You can always learn from those around you that you can never have too much fame or too much power or too much wealth, that you just don't need anyone, that doesn't need to be uh, someone there. And also, a very important lesson with this, and one of the last lines where text talks about, yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. 
People are fickle. Fame is very, very fickle. It will come and go very quickly. That was number one of the major conversations I had with my students when they would talk about just wanting to be famous. And we've talked about that. We talked about, you know, the, you know, go back and name some NBA stars in the 1960s or something like that. And they can't do it because fame is fickle. People forget. They don't remember who they are, uh, who these people are. And this is almost a vanity inside of vanity. It's, you're so, you want so badly to be on top in fame and power and fortune, but then you have to try so hard to keep it. You're so worried about what other people think because then you're going to lose all of that it's almost vanity inside of vanity. Uh, going back to chapter 5, the last couple of verses there, it says, uh, this one, I'll read it, it says, He came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came, and shall take it nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Uh, that is, we've already talked about this, that is a simple idea of you can't take it with you. No matter how much you gain, no matter how much you work towards something, fame, power, and riches are, are they're meaningless here on earth because you cannot take it with you. It will not matter at all. Verse 17, though, is one that it took me a while to, to kind of put some thought into this one. It says, Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much, vexa much vexation and sickness and anger. Now, there's a couple of different views as to what that means. And one of them is that uh, this is the, that riches don't solve problems, that they just create new ones. Uh, we've talked about that, so we're not going to hit on that one again because we've already talked about that. But uh, the other one says this, that this is a continuation of the previous verses, uh, 15 and 16. And uh, what this is, is basically shows that, well, this is what life looks like if you pursued wealth, you pursued power, you pursued fame, and then lost it all. This is what life can look like for you. And look at these descriptions, darkness, great vexation, sickness, and anger. If you know much about history, think about 1929 stock market crash, beginning the Great Depression. Right, one of the single, and we have this is documented, one of the single largest spikes of suicide in world history, at least American anyways, because people had, they lost everything in hours, and everything they had, and so, I mean, their lives would have definitely fallen into those categories, darkness, vexation, sickness, and anger, uh, for sure. And Solomon paints a very vivid picture here as to what your life can look like if you devote to any level of riches, fame, and power and not looking for that money is simply not worth it. Fame and power is simply not worth it. Uh, in these, it's simply not worth the risk of what this could be. The New Testament backs this up uh, very thoroughly. We could go through a number of different stories. You know, Luke eight talks about riches can keep us from being productive Christians. Matthew nine uh, that uh, treasures are laid up for heaven, not on earth. Uh, in uh, Luke twenty one, Jesus talks about commending the poor widow for giving two coins over what everyone else had done. And there are multiple stories of Christians giving back to society, giving back to the needy and the poor. So uh, this is a, you know using your riches for good. Matthew twenty and Luke nine, uh, Jesus uh, both times talks about first shall be last and last shall be first. All right, these are what we should be focusing on, what we should be moving for. If you are searching for riches, if you're searching for fame, if you're searching for power on any level, the different again. The devil is in the details. If you're in it, something that you may not think, like, well, I'm not looking to be internationally famous, but if you are looking to be, if you're really pushing yourself to be really famous or really well-known in your job or in your, in your HOA or whatever it is that you want, um, you have to be very careful. If you're, um, if, just think about what people will do if they're trying to get to these things in unscrupulous ways. 
if they are trying to, uh, how many people you, will you step on to get to the top, uh, to get up to where you want to be? Once you get there, what are you willing to do to keep it? All right, the, the number of temptations are going to grow greatly as you get higher and higher to the top because there are more and more things that you risk losing if you don't. Are you willing to give all of this to God? If you do rise up, maybe you're not pursuing it, but it just naturally happens. You do rise up in your position or in, in money or wealth or something like that. Are you willing to give all glory to God for that? That's the, the real key. It, it's important to note, and we've been talking a lot of negative with this, it's important to note that the Bible never says that you should not be wealthy, you should not be famous, and you should not have a... Uh, you know, and I will use the word power. I mean, you can be a CEO of a company and be a very, very devout Christian. You, that doesn't, that, that power is not a dirty word. The Bible never says you should not be those things, but it does make it very clear that uh, Jesus says this a lot. Paul says this quite a bit, especially in 1 Timothy 6, that it's a difficult task to achieve to be a good, faithful servant and Christian and have those things too. It's possible, but it's much more difficult. If you can keep these three points in mind... It is possible. Do you base your hope on the riches or in fame? Or you base it on God? Do you recognize that everything you have comes from God? And do you use your success to do good? To engage in good works and to share with others? I think that third one is one of the ones that we, we often fail on as individuals. I know I do. Is that where it's, we have these wonderful skills, these things that we have built careers on in our jobs. But we don't use them for God because it's like, well, that's my job. I'm going to do something over here for God. Hey, what you can do over here is what God has given you. Use that here, too. Use that everywhere. Use your skills. Use what you know. Use your knowledge. Whatever God has blessed you with, use that. Don't compartmentalize them. I'm going to close out. I'm going to read. I'm just going to read straight from a couple of paraphrases from what uh, Brother Roper put in his book. I thought this was a good summary. This is actually a paraphrase in two different portions. It says, Are you depending on the acquisition of riches, the benefits of fame, the security of power to make life meaningful? If so, maybe you should read the book of Ecclesiastes again. The person who seeks riches, fame, and power can legitimately find it after this life is over. You can receive the crown of life. If you really want these things, plan to go to heaven and do what it